This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When it comes to football, it sure is a wise This is the Rich Eisen Show. Mm-hmm. Rich Eisen. Thank you so much. Blake Show. Blake Show. Who then admitted it's tough to rhyme with Eisen. The Rich Eisen Show with guest host Dan Helley. Earlier on the show. Host of Peacock's Football Talk, Mike Florio. Coming up. Senior NBA writer for The Athletic, Sam Amick. USC head coach, Andy Enfield. Plus, Oregon head coach, Dana Altman. And now... Sitting in for Rich, it's Dan Helley. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Helley in Rich's seat, and we are talking some hoops now. NBA hoops, that is. Sam Amick, senior NBA writer from The Athletic, is joining us. Sam, thanks for being on. No problem. Thanks for having me, Dan. Sam, I know you love the NBA. I know you love hoops. Do you love talking about the Lakers as much as you probably have to talk about them these days? (laughs) Uh, yeah, no complaints on the, the Laker talk. I mean, listen, if you're in the media, as you can relate to, you know, the bigger the fan base, the more folks are, are enjoying the commentary and the coverage. So, uh, yeah, no problems there. Got, got to play the hits sometimes. Well, let me ask you then about the Lakers and the concern here with the injury situation. Obviously, Anthony Davis has been out for a while. Uh, LeBron's going to be out probably for around a month or so. Do you anticipate them making a move, maybe trying to add a little shooting here before the trade deadline on Thursday? I mean, I'm sure they're going to be active. They're pretty limited, though, in what they're able to do. Um, they're pretty close to their hard cap. They they don't have the kinds of pieces that I think that they're willing to move out in terms of their bigger picture that's in play. The the you know the title defense and and the idea that once LeBron and AD get back, you know you can't be losing a uh, a Dennis Schroeder or Montrezl Harrell anybody like that who might not be able to, to help carry you now, but is going to come in handy and you hope they'll be part of that championship picture once you're whole again. So, you know, you hear consistently them tied to uh, rim protection. Is, is JaVale McGee going to come back? Somebody like that. Um, you know, now, of course, they, they could use, you know, players with uh, kind of a more versatile skill set because of the injury stuff, but I'd be surprised if they really found any real legitimate answers on that front in the next two days. Maybe somebody on the buyout market like an Andre Drummond could end up in L.A.? Oh, sure, yeah. Yeah, Andre's one that, that you know, he's going to certainly be uh, sought after quite a bit if that buyout ends up happening, and it probably will. I mean, I think he's around $30 million with his, his Cavs deal. So the, the big would be my focus with them, uh, and then just kind of trying to tread water. You know, I have this theory. Everybody's worried that they have to – 
you know, they fall down to a seven or an eight seed and they have to do the whole play-in deal to get into the tournament. I almost think that if I'm LeBron, that makes the story even better if they were able to win again, <laughs> right? Sure. If they, I mean, if they were able to win again, 100%. I, you know, I don't know. I mean, yeah, it'd be a great storyline, um, but and, and far be it from me to ever question the guy who keeps showing us that that's a bad idea, but 36-year-old LeBron coming off a, a, a serious ankle injury, you know, having to then take out a, an elite Western Conference team in the first round, you know, and, and fight your way kind of up the championship mountain from there. Uh, to me, the West is, is loaded enough, and there's enough parity that, you know, if you were asking me to bet, uh, you know, on the Lakers or the field, in, in that scenario, I'd probably be betting on the field. It would be hard, but, but certainly right. it would make the story better. So trade deadline coming up Thursday. Um, Aaron Gordon being shopped. Um, Kyle Lowry uh, could be on the move from Toronto. Uh, Marvin Bagley, as you alluded to in one of your articles, uh, the Kings have not found any any takers for him yet. Um, what what are a couple of moves or trades that you expect to happen here before the trade deadline? Well, the the Gordon situation has been a focal point of mine. We we wrote about the situation with Boston the other day, and and the kind of revelation that Aaron asked for a trade last month, um, you know, formally, and, and I think that will happen. Uh, I think right now I would still handicap Boston as the the leader, but Denver is definitely in the mix and definitely wants Aaron, and it's kind of that you know now it's that game, the cat and mouse game of. There's still time on the clock, and like the Nuggets, for instance, don't want to be too desperate. They don't feel like they have to make a move. The Celtics have a ton of pressure on them. You know, playing 500 basketball when you have two all-stars who are used to being in the conference finals is, is not a good equation. Um, and so I'm curious to see where that goes. I think if Aaron moves, it's going to be one of those two teams. You know, Lowry, it, it, I, I thought Kyle was going to stay put because his money is so hard to match $30 million on an expiring deal. But, you know, there is a lot of noise about Philly and, and Miami. And, and the Clippers have been interested, but, but I don't, they, you know, they can't get their money-wise. So, you know, Kyle's another one. And, and staying in Toronto, or, or Tampa to be more specific, uh, Norman Powell's another guy with a ton of teams chasing him and, and I think is going to be a nice addition to, uh, to probably a contender. So, I think we're going to have a bunch of like, you know, kind of second and third tier guys probably get moved. As you know, Dan, it's it's not a superstar trade deadline season. You know, after the Harden trade went down, there's really nobody else out there of that caliber. But I think it'll be active. Speaking of superstars, um, Brooklyn, the team to beat. I mean, is once they're healthy and once they have all the parts there, do you see anybody being able to take them down? I don't know. I mean, I kind of love how wide open it is because, yeah, there's moments when you say, yeah, how do you beat that trio? Well, for one, that trio has barely been together. Now you've got Kyrie missing games for family reasons, you know, and having another absence. Um, the Durant injury, obviously, is, is a problem you feel for Kevin, man. He spent so much time on the sideline the last couple of years, and now to have to go through it again, you know, and, and even James has been banged up. So, you know, I'm not sold on them as the title front runner, here's the funny part to me is like, we're guilty in the media of being very narrative driven. And so 
Milwaukee jumps out because it's like I feel like in the media we've unofficially decided that that Giannis can't be the back-to-back-to-back MVP just because they fell short in the playoffs. But he, uh, you know, had been playing well before he got a little bit banged up as well. But, you know, the Bucks are a team that I think we're sleeping on again, and, and Giannis in particular and his MVP candidacy. But, I mean, there's, you know, the Utah Clippers, Lakers, all the way down the line, Philly, um, I really, I probably have recency bias a little bit, but I feel like, you know, more than in past years, it, it's just really wide open. But Brooklyn's the most compelling team from the standpoint of we love super teams and, and monitoring whether or not they can maximize their incredible talent. And so I'm hoping in that vein that the Nets are healthy when the playoff time comes around because I really want to see if they can have chemistry and if they can go out and be the team that, that we think they might be able to be. Yeah, so do I. I mean, it's, it's an incredible collection of talent they have there in Brooklyn. Speaking of maximizing potential, I feel like Lonzo Ball is, is closer to maximizing potential, and, and he's in line to get a much bigger payday than we anticipated that he would be getting uh, a couple of years ago. I saw yesterday or the day before where Michael Thompson, Clay Thompson's dad, who uh, calls Lakers games on the radio, said, I'd love to see Lonzo end up in Golden State. Is that something you could see coming to fruition? I could, yeah. Uh, it is. There's like a leveling out of the Lonzo market happening, where you know, phase one was the incredibly overhyped opening with Lavar, you know, telling the world that Lonzo was going to be the next coming of of you know Steve Nash combined with with uh, you know Gary Payton and Chris Paul and all the best point guards of all time. Um, Magic Johnson, chief among them, and, and and that was just too much, and so Lonzo couldn't live up to that. But now that he's getting closer to free agency, and you know that he has developed, and really his defensive side of the ball, and his ability to to play both guard positions has made him a, a nice fit, and for a lot of teams, and that has a lot to do with all the interest. Because if it's Atlanta, right, and they look at it and they go, ah, you know what, I think. Lonzo can maybe play with Trey if it's the Warriors, you know, and you have a, a healthy Clay Thompson with Steph and Lonzo as a three guard set. I mean, that would be pretty dangerous. And and so to Lonzo's credit, he's checking a lot more boxes as a player than I think, you know, coming out of, of uh, you know, in the beginning, it was all about his playmaking and that was it. Um, he and his camp want and kind of expect to, to be getting around $20 million a year uh, in free agency. That's kind of the, the word among teams that are interested. And so, you know, that's kind of the unofficial price tag you have to consider. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. The Warriors have that, that, you know, that draft pick that is the most valuable asset in the league right now. And so, you know, I, I doubt they'd be willing to give up something like that for Lonzo. But um, if they were able to get him, I think he, he certainly would, uh, would take them to a new level. Yeah, he's averaging career highs in, in, in points and three-point field goal percentage, become a much better shooter. Uh, since he entered the league. Speaking of the draft, obviously you've been watching the NCAA tournament like the rest of us. Who's who's popped? Who who have you noticed that, that's going to be a, a a difference maker? Dan, I got to be honest with you, brother. I'm just going to own it. I have not been diving in. I've been in trade mode. Um, I don't know what it is. You know, I mean, we we had a good time on my podcast yesterday, to, uh, joking about Cade Cunningham, one of my co-hosts. Anthony Slater is an Oklahoma State alum and. And he was dishing a little bit of Cade uh, Cunningham slander and saying that he thought he might be a little overhyped. So that's kind of been the extent of my NCAA focus. I just know that 
I mean, if through the NBA lens, um, you know, the idea that you could have, you know, in the neighborhood of, of five franchise-changing type players is, you know, it's coloring decisions that are happening right now. And that, that part has always been really interesting to me because, you know, you got teams in real time deciding, are we going to tank? Are we going to go for it and try to sneak into the playoffs? What are we going to do? And that calculus is tied, you know, to not only the draft, but then now in real time with the tournament, you know, like you said, who's popping and who's not. So, you know, that's going to have a ripple effect, uh, you know, but admittedly I probably should uh, start diving a little bit more and, and watching the action right now. Well, probably not a fair question for you with the trade deadline coming up. So believe me, I completely <laughs> a understand busy. A little busy. <laughs> during, during football season. It's, it's certainly all about football for me, and I'm not watching as much college as I do uh, NFL, no doubt about that. Uh, the Kate Cunningham stuff is interesting because I think he's a nice player, but man, Mobley has really been impressive from what I've seen uh, in the tournament. And the other thing that's really fascinating to me, Dan Helley sitting up for Rich Eisen uh, talking to Sam Amick, senior NBA writer from the Atlantic, is what's happening with the G League and the, the players now who are choosing to go to the G League instead of overseas or instead of college for a year and this new program that they have where they can pay them half a million dollars and they can sign shoe deals. And they're going to be developed and play against solid competition. How has that been uh, looked at this year? Has it been already designated as a success? I think the answer is yes. But then the, the kind of asterisk is that the pandemic made things, I mean, it made things hard on everybody, but it, it, it really impacted the G League quite a bit. Now, they did pull off the G League bubble and kind of made the best of a challenging situation, but by and large, uh, 100%, the reputation of the G League and previously known as the D League has changed in the kind of way that it it's a whole lot closer to being a, a baseball-style minor league system now uh, than ever because it, it it's funny. I mean, I've covered the league roughly for, I guess, 17 years now. And, you know, in the beginning, um, when a player got assigned to the D League, I mean, it, it was like getting assigned from a pro team back to a college team. I mean, you were, you know, guys would probably, you know, more likely to just quit and try some other avenue than they were to take that assignment and feel okay about it. It was not the JV team. It, it was something even worse than that. So now you have guys that if they're not getting enough burn with their NBA team, I mean, you even hear stories about guys saying, could you put me on assignment down with the G League team, let me – actually go improve and, and you know there's not that that uh that complex about that path so yeah it, it's a legitimate thing and they you know they were smart enough to know that money makes the world go round and, and you've got to incentivize these guys to to get paid real basketball money as opposed to the you know i mean in the beginning it was like twenty five thousand dollar annual stipends right. to uh to go play in, in the d-league and it's it's on a whole different level now well they have that ignite team now and you look at some of these mock drafts and uh, you, you have Jalen Green, who's going to be a top four, top five pick. Jonathan Kaminga, I, I believe I'm saying that correctly. And both those guys uh, in in the G League, you know, as, as teenagers. So um, certainly that. Yeah, uh, and you got the coaching aspect too, you know, with, with Brian Shaw and people like that being part of it adds credibility, you know, former head coaches. So, uh, yeah, it's it's really, I mean, listen, all around the league, um, they, they're, they're kind of a more comprehensive, robust system now than they were even 10, 15 years ago. Yeah, certainly coming a long way. Sam Amick, senior NBA writer from The Athletic. Sam, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate the time, my man. You got it, Dan. Thanks, man.
All right, that was Sam Amick. The NBA tread dead deadline coming up 3 p.m. Eastern time on Thursday. There's going to be some moves. Uh, maybe not the huge, huge names, but there's going to be title contenders who are uh, making some trades that are either going to help them or or not help them get to the promised land in terms of where they want to go. I'll be curious to see if Kyle Lowry uh, ends up leaving Toronto because that's the face of a franchise. He is, yes, um, they've had some good players there, Kawhi Leonard, but Kyle Lowry's been there his whole career. Like that, that is, he is the best player in that franchise's history. So NBA trade deadline coming up and coming up here on the Rich Eisen Show, Andy Enfield, head coach of USC, leading the Trojans to the Sweet 16 for the first time since 2007. Let's talk O'Reilly Auto Parts, people, or as you might know from their jingle, O-O-O O'Reilly Auto Parts. They're in the business of keeping your car on the road. O'Reilly Auto Parts offers friendly, helpful service and the parts knowledge you need for all your maintenance and repairs because you know when you need your car fixed, you need somebody who knows what they're talking about and is helpful, has a smile on their face, and gets you back on the road. They've got thousands of parts and accessories in stock, either in-store or online, so you never have to worry if you're in a jam. The team at O'Reilly Auto Parts can test your battery for free in or out of your car. If it needs to be replaced, they'll help you just... Find the right battery for your vehicle. Need your windshield wipers replaced, a brake light fix, or a quick service? They'll help you find the right part or point you to the nearest local repair shop for help. Whether you're a car aficionado or an auto novice, you will find the employees at O'Reilly Auto Parts knowledgeable, helpful, and the best of all, friendly. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts today or visit us at O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. That's O'ReillyAuto.com slash Eisen. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Welcome back to the Rich Eisen Show. Dan Helley filling in for Rich. And it is my pleasure to welcome USC head basketball coach Andy Enfield to the show. Coach, how are you? Doing very well, thank you. Well, I can imagine. Congratulations on getting back to the Sweet 16 once again, my friend. What an impressive performance uh, by you guys last night against Kansas. You beat them by 34 points. They'd never lost by more than 18 in the tournament, taking down one of the uh, true blue bloods of college basketball. What, at what point did you know you guys really had it going? Well, Kansas is never out of a game. They're so good defensively all season. They, they're explosive offensively, and they've been playing great basketball. I think they won 9 out of 10 coming into the game, and so they were playing their best basketball at the end of the year, and their big center, McCormick, was playing great, and their guards were so talented. So, uh, t- to be honest, uh, we-, we never thought we had the game. Uh, 
until maybe about six or seven minutes left when it, when it ballooned up to 25 or 30 points. But uh, even at halftime, we're, we're up 19, and they came out and made a quick run. I had to call timeout with about 17 minutes left and settle our guys down to, to just remind them that uh, this, this game's not over. What was it, eight years ago you made the Sweet 16 at Florida Gulf Coast? Yes, yeah, eight years ago, yes. Yeah. So it was a, a special run uh, by FGCU, the Eagles. What great players we had. It was a lot of fun. How how does this feel different, or or does it? Well, it's totally different. Uh, I was there two years. Uh, we were a brand new school, brand new program. Uh, we, we just had uh, the school had just gone Division One, uh, and the way that those players came together and the, the exciting style of play that they had. This is different because uh, our coaching staff came in here eight years ago and built this program. And Jason Hart, my associate head coach, Chris Capco, Curtis Schultz, they've been with me the entire time, and. So to see uh, uh, being last place in the Pac-12 for two years, our first two years, we were five and thirty-one in the Pac-12, uh, and, and we weren't just, we just weren't very good. And then we uh, we were able to recruit and develop some players and have some success here the last six years. And, and so this was a great game to uh, uh, for our program to to show how far the USC program has come. So uh, it, it was a little different feeling than the, than the uh, Florida Gulf Coast uh, run. But uh, at the same time, anytime you can go to the Sweet 16, it's just special for the players. And, and so uh, I, I'm, I'm really happy for our players right now because they work so hard to get here. You talked about some of your assistant coaches, uh, Eric Mobley and, and Jason Hart and Chris Capco and, and Coach Desmond. Which one of those guys was it that brought your attention to, to CBS saying you guys were undisciplined? Well, we were at lunch, and Coach Mobley pulled his phone out to, to watch a game or check on some scores from the tournament. And this was in the afternoon. We played the late game. So he literally turned his phone on, turned to the CBS, and, and it, it broke to a, a studio show. And, and uh, I don't even know who said it. Uh, uh, we just heard it. We saw it and heard it and uh, just said we were undisciplined, and they were picking Kansas. So, look, everybody has an opinion. Uh, we were just fortunate to play well last night and, and at least play good basketball. Yeah, well, I, I, I love how everybody has to find a chip, right? Everybody has to have something to hold on their shoulder. Tom Brady does it uh, more so than anybody, and he's the greatest quarterback in NFL history. Did you use that guy? Did you use that as fuel? Did you talk to your team about that? No, we didn't talk to the team. We, our staff heard it. So our staff was uh, – uh, we, we were just a little uh, – it made us very angry because uh, if you looked at the Ken Palm numbers, which shows defensive and offensive efficiency, we're ranked fifth in the nation in defense and the top 20 in offense. And, and I think our overall Ken Palm rating now is sixth in the nation. So, uh, you know, the, the, it was just uh, an un- uncalled-for comment uh, for someone who probably had never seen us play. Well, I, I thought you handled it well. It was probably Barkley. Just blame it on Barkley. No, you know, no, he, does, Charles, he only watches Charles, half the games anyway. Uh, uh, Barkley's great. I love Charles Barkley. Uh, he, he's the best. So, uh, no, it definitely wasn't him. He's great. Well, let me ask you about the, the Mobley family has been pretty good for you. Uh, you got a coach on your staff. You got you know Evan, who's going to be a top five pick. He's been nothing short of spectacular. Uh, but big bro Isaiah has been really, really good for you guys in the tournament. Well, the whole Mobley family is special. Uh, from Nicole, the mother, uh, she was there with her, uh, some of her relatives. And Coach Mobley, Eric, has done a great job. He's been on our staff for three years. Isaiah came two years ago, and Evan, of course, this year. But uh, Evan and Isaiah have improved so much as players. Uh, but the greatest thing I can say about those guys, they're just winners. They, they, they're, they're, they don't have an ego. They're, they just play team basketball. And 
And uh, we're a team. Uh, Isaiah and Evan are, are, are playing well, but so are all the other guys. And, and they're the first two guys to give their teammates credit. And, and they know they wouldn't be here without the rest of the team. And, and so it's great to see Evan and Isaiah improve so much and, and, and take the leadership. Uh, but uh, we, we're really playing well as a team right now. This is, this is where you want to be as a coach. You, you, you leave Florida Gulf Coast. You come to Los Angeles. I think we live in the, the same general uh, vicinity, and you make the trek every day up to USC. Um, and, and it's obviously it's well known. USC is a football school. Uh, I, I went to a Tennessee. It's a football school that's produced some really good basketball teams over the years. But one of the hard things at USC is being consistently good year in and year out in basketball. Do you think this is the step in the right direction for you guys to be able to do that? Obviously, you've had success since you've been here, but the first Sweet 16 for the school since 07. Yeah, we we uh, we understand the difficulty. Look, I was at Florida State as an assistant coach for five years with Leonard Hamilton. That's a football school as well. Uh, I love football. My wife, Amanda, loves fo- college football, so we we really root for the Trojans and and uh, their football program. And I think when they do well, it helps the the entire school. It helps the the, the national brand. Uh, but at the same time, it doesn't help you win basketball games because you have a good football team. You have to go and do that on your own. And, and so I I think. Um, uh, what really uh, has been difficult or was difficult when we first took the job was just the lack of sustained success in the USC basketball program over the history of it because there's been some great coaches and players over the, and great teams, but uh, the lack of sustained success or the tradition. So when you go play a Kansas that had decades and decades of that tradition and the sustained success, it's a whole different type of program and, and, and uh, fan support. So uh, we, we, we're doing our best to, to try to, uh, sustain that success. We last six years, I think we're 14th or 15th in the country in wins among the Power Five conferences. I think we have 133 wins. Last two years, we're 46 and 16, which is third in the nation in wins among the six power conferences behind Baylor and Kansas. So, to, for USC to be 46 and 16 the last two years, that's a credit to our our players. They've just done a terrific job. It's been a minute for you guys since you were in the Elite Eight. Uh, I think it was Brian Scalabrini's team back in, in 2000, 2001-ish. Have, have you heard from anybody from, from that team who's rooting for you guys to get back there? Uh, I get some texts. I know our assistant coaches, Desmond Farmer, who played on that elite team. He's a graduate assistant for us now. Uh, uh, so, so he gets a lot of – he knows those guys because he was on that team. I just got a call from a, a Mo Layton today who, who is, is a legend in USC hoops. He played with Westfall uh, before Paul, I guess, in the same team. And – and uh, Mo Layton was really one of the guys that started some of that success. So it is nice to hear from the ex-Trojans. I've had some ex-coaches reach out to me, and so, so that, that, that's really nice. I think everyone's rooting for our players. We've got a special team this year. Yeah, it's been a fun team to watch. I've had the opportunity to watch you guys a little bit, like I said, uh, being in the area. The, the move to, to L.A. From, from Florida Gulf Coast for you, have there been any uh, moments when you look up in the stands at a game or – you're sitting there at the Manhattan Country Club watching Maria Sharapova play tennis, and you're saying, man, this you're seeing a star-studded person that you may not have expected to see on that particular day. Give me one of those L.A. moments. <laughs> well, uh, I'd probably say it's uh, when, when I go to the beach and I see the, the Olympic beach volleyball players, and I'm like, wow, they're a lot better athlete than I ever was or ever <laughs> will be. So, uh, uh, But, but uh, you know, you, you do see uh, – the, the Southern California, the, the Los Angeles area is a great place to live. Uh, we, we love the, the lifestyle of my wife and our family, and and, uh, and we just have a lot of friends that, that in, in the entertainment, the sports business, and, and just uh, people that are uh, we've met along the way. They're just terrific families, so uh, we really enjoy the area.
All right, last question, Coach, before we let you go. You got Oregon coming up. You're going to play them again. You played them during the regular season. You guys won that game. Um, I've heard your quote. Hey, you know, we'd rather not play Oregon, uh, a conference team that we've played before. We'd rather play somebody out of the Pac-12. But the good news is that no matter what happens in this game, it'll be a Pac-12 team in the Elite Eight. You don't don't really mean that. You don't care if Oregon goes to the Elite Eight. You want to get in the Elite Eight, right? (laughs) I mean, it sounds good in theory. Well, of course, we would like to win that game, uh, but I, I was just confused at how Oregon, uh, two two league teams, can play each other in the Sweet Sixteen. So I was I was confused on how that happens. I'm I'm not, I, I don't know what this this selection committee or the criteria how they seed teams or what brackets they put them in. So uh, I apologize. I just don't know enough information to comment on that. But look, Oregon has a tremendous team, and uh, I, I, the reason I said what I said uh, yesterday was. I think it is unfortunate for the Pac-12 for us to have to play Oregon because uh, we were first. In, Oregon was first. We were second in the league, and to have the first and second teams play in the Sweet 16 uh, is not ideal because March Madness is all about playing teams from other conferences and playing teams that you've never played before or, or haven't played in a while. So uh, uh, it, it'll be a it'll be a heck of a game. Uh, two good teams going at it from the same league, and uh, we'll do our best. Speaking of the league, I lied. I have one more question. The Pac-12 has been so good. I, I mean, surprisingly good in this tournament. Um, did, did that surprise you that you guys got four teams into the Sweet 16? I think it's surprising, but uh, it's not surprising in the fact that we have a really good league. And uh, the teams we've been, the teams in our league obviously can beat anybody else in the country on a given night. And you've seen that. We're 9-1 and 4 in the Sweet 16. So, I think if you would have said, hey, four out of the five teams are going to go to the Sweet 16, I think a lot of people would be surprised, me included, but but, be, but pleasantly surprised. But I'm not surprised at the level of play because we've been battling these teams all year long. And we've been trying to tell the media, you know, I'm from the East Coast, so, so I never saw a USC basketball game growing up. I saw USC football on Saturday afternoon. I loved the Cardinal and Gold jerseys, and that was my favorite football uniform. But that was because it was on Sunday afternoons. I never saw a USC basketball game on the East Coast because the game started at 7 or 8 o'clock, and, and you just don't follow the Pac-12. So I think the Pac-12 is not appreciated enough on a national scale just because of the time difference and the, uh, and the lack of exposure to the East Coast and to the Midwest. So uh, our league was really good last year. We had, had six teams in the tournament last year as well. We put 10 draft picks in the NBA last year, and, and, so, and now you're seeing some really good basketball teams advance, and I'm happy for our league. Back in the Sweet 16 is USC for the first time since 07, trying to get to the Elite Eight for the first time since 2001. Andy Enfield, congratulations, Andy. It's been fun to watch you guys play. It really is a fun team. You guys are playing some lockdown defense. You're shooting the three ball. Uh, Good luck the rest of the way. Thank you very much. That was Andy Enfield, head coach for USC, a football school with uh, a heck of a basketball season, and who knows? You know, maybe, maybe USC noise, uh, becomes a, a basketball school uh, instead of a football school. I, I don't know. You just make that transition overnight, but you can be both. I remember when I was in school. Yeah. When I was in school at Tennessee, UNC was both. Obviously, it was a basketball first, but they, that was when Mac Brown was there. They had some good football teams. And maybe USC, you know, I mean, Evan Mobley's not going to be there next year, right? He's going to be a top no, five pick, so you're going to – Top two pick, probably. But that's – that's a that's a program changer. You know, that whole Mobley family, you know, you have an assistant coach, you have two sons there. That's that's a program changer yeah, for awesome. Andy Enfield. And- that was impressive last night, man. I, like I said, you don't see a Kansas team get worked 
front to back, beginning to end like that, like they did last night. Congrats no, to USC. It was, it was incredible. And, and what they were doing defensively uh, as well as offensively was, was, was awesome. And like, here, listen, we're almost, it's an embarrassment of riches in Los Angeles right now. You have the Lakers, champs. Dodgers, champs. Asterix. Asterix, there we go. <laughs> you have two teams in the Sweet 16 in UCLA and USC. You got yeah. Mike Del Tufo. True. Champ. Champion. 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 Champion of what? It's just life, Dan. A life to life champion? Life, bro. Hey, Come thank on. you, DJ. Get familiar. That is that you're right. You know you're right. You're right. <laughs> one of the great one of the great DJs that nobody's ever heard of. Mike Del Tufo. Hey, people did in the eighties. Yeah, that's that's a good point. That's a good point. No, I, I'm uh, I'm very intrigued by um, the way that the the Sweet 16 has played out. Um, I, I'm curious to see if USC. I think USC is is built like a team that that could keep this going. Yeah, I they, think you're right. I by the way, right. they they handled handled Oregon yeah. in the regular season. Um, now, of course, if they move on to the Elite Eight and Gonzaga takes care of business as they are expected to do against Creighton, then it's Gonzaga USC battling out to go to the Final Four and represent that, uh, that West region. That's, that's going to be interesting. Um, but we talked about Gonzaga being a team that is unlike Gonzaga teams of years past because they have several NBA players. And USC is a team that I think can, can match up with them athletically and make things difficult on Gonzaga. And like I said, they've been playing some lockdown defense so far. I'm trying to pull up the odds here for uh they were talking about what kind of kind of reseeded them in the next uh for the Sweet 16. So Love it. we'll Love uh it. we'll pull that up coming up here on the Rich Eisen show. Dan Helley filling in on this Tuesday, 10:35 Pacific time, 1:35 Eastern. We're back right after this. Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices makes sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs all in before you purchase so all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with game time download the game time app create an account and use my code rich for $20 off your first purchase terms apply visit gametime.co for restrictions again create an account redeem my code r-i-c-h for $20 off your first purchase download game time today last minute tickets lowest price guaranteed Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Back on the Rich Eisen Show, Dan Helley filling in for Rich. Just had Andy Enfield, head coach of USC, on the show. Has Trojans back in the Sweet 16 for the first time since 07. His first trip to the Sweet 16 uh, since he took 
Florida Gulf Coast University. Wow, that was one of the great stories. What was the nickname? They were Dunk City, right? Dunk City. Dunk City. Yes. Yeah, I was oh, going to say Fi Slamma Jamma. That was a little bit earlier. <laughs> <laughs> that, that wasn't it. And then he came out here, and they're like, Lob City. And then the Clippers kind of took over Lob City. Super fun. Uh, there's a story that I stumbled across that I wanted to share with you guys. Um, we talked a little bit about Mike Tyson yesterday. Jamie Foxx making a – was it a biopic? What, 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 what did we have? What was Jamie Foxx doing? Is it a four-episode It's going to be like a mini-series. Like yeah. a mini-series. All right. So TJ gave us that story yesterday. It's going to be done. Um, I saw that Mike Tyson – turned down a $25 million offer to fight Evander Holyfield. That's what it was? Because that was the rumor is that that was going to go down, right? Yeah, I thought that was going to happen. Yeah. Holyfield said in December that a third fight against Tyson had to happen for both of their legacies. <laughs> one of the best rivalries of the 90s. Um, That's one Holyfield, of, of course, <laughs> shocked Tyson in his prime. A huge upset. Yeah. He also won in 97 when Tyson tried to bite his ear off. Bit his ear. <laughs> um, but members of Evander Holyfield's team said Mike Tyson rejected a $25 million guarantee to fight Holyfield on May 29th at Hard Rock Stadium in Miami. Wow. Apparently there was, a, there was an issue with the company that was putting the whole deal together, and it just kind of fell apart at the last minute. Tyson was perturbed by the negotiations over the weekend posted something on Instagram saying it would never work with Triller again. Triller had been the broadcaster of the Tyson-Jones fight um, that was just an exhibition. I don't, I don't love these exhibitions. I like to remember, you know, it's kind of like that. I got to be careful here because I married my high school sweetheart. But it's kind of like that girl you dated in high school. Like, you want to remember them as they were. Good for you, Dan. That's you know? awesome. Yeah. You know? That's awesome. Good for you. Yeah, yeah. Great, great for me. Great for me. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Hey. So, in-laws oh, hey. yesterday, your wife today. I'm killing all my family members here. They're, they're, they're loving this. With Never all again respect. am I going to be allowed to guest host the Rich Eisen show. <laughs> um, no, but, you know, you want to remember somebody as, as they were. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I don't love seeing these. He's great. Yeah. He's, and I'm a guy who I wasn't like Max Kellerman boxing fan, but I, I would take all the Sports Illustrated covers of yeah. all my favorite athletes. And Mike Tyson was one of them. And I had a huge one of my walls in my bedroom was yeah. all Sports Illustrated covers. And I, I grew up when you know Kid Dynamite was the first one. You remember that one? Mm -hmm. Like when he was in his prime. Yeah. And I don't want to see him. You know, I heard him go on uh, Rogan's podcast and talk about the, the fight that he had coming up against Roy Jones. And Rogan said, man, you look really good in that video clip that you put out. You know, it was like a 30-second clip. He's like, man, I was sore for a whole week after I shot that video. <laughs> 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 but 25 million bucks, that's if that's indeed to, accurate. Uh, and let's not down. forget that Tyson's a guy who basically lost everything, as yeah. a lot of these boxers have. Mm -hmm. You know, I remember doing a story on Riddick Bow way back in the day. And, yeah. you know, filed for bankruptcy and 25 million bucks, that's... It's real coin. It's pretty good payday, man. Although, you know, he's popping up in one of Mike's Hard Lemonade commercials, Mike yeah, Tyson. Yeah, he, well, he's reinvented himself a <laughs> yeah, little bit. Yeah. And you've seen that. You, I'm sure you've seen the billboards driving around L.A. I don't know if it's a, it's a real thing right now, but it was for a while. The Tyson Ranch, yeah. which was a place where, a, where they were growing marijuana, yeah, I guess. It's a weed it's ranch. Still a and, thing. Uh, That's a thing. Is that still a thing? Yeah. Oh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, yeah. So I think they're just paying him to use the name. But it, but it brought to mind a couple of a couple of things that, that I was interested in, Is and it's – Guys who turned down big paydays, right? Because they thought they were going to get more. Um, one of them that popped into my head immediately, being a DC guy, 
um, this is one of my favorite guys that I've ever covered, is, is Ian Desmond. Yeah. Um, currently an outfielder for the Rockies. I believe he, he did not play in the shortened season last year. And he, he I think he opted out again I think he opted out year. again. So yeah. it's going to be two years that Ian Desmond didn't play. But yeah. um, Ian Desmond was part of the Nationals when they were just starting to get good. It was when they drafted Strasburg and Harper in back-to-back years. Uh, Desmond had had a couple of really good years. And at the time, he was playing shortstop. And he was a big uh, shortstop who, who hit for power. And he turned down a $100 million deal from the Nationals. I remember that. And he ended up taking a one-year deal with the Rangers. And then signed a nice deal with the Rockies. I think he got 60 or $70 million. But, but he, turned down a, uh, he turned down a $100 million deal. Yeah, he was trying to bet on himself, yeah. right, to get an even bigger payday. Yeah, and it works. We've seen a lot of guys it's worked for. It's worked. It worked for Kirk Cousins. It worked for uh, Dak Prescott. It worked for Joe Flacco. Yeah. Uh, but how about Terrell Pryor? Did you know that he turned down a four-year, $32 million deal from the Cleveland Browns back in the day? Oof, wow. $17 million guaranteed. Uh, Nomar Garciaparra, oh, a wow. fellow South Bay resident here in, uh, in the L.A. area, turned down a $60 million deal over four years, ended up with an $8 million one-year deal. Um, just a couple of names that, that popped up there. Oof. Yeah. We're talking about guys coming back in their prime. Were you uh, in D.C. during the Jordan Wizards years? That was right before I got back there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I, I have uh, talked to David Falk, though, many times about those, about those years. It was just, I think it was just a strange time. I think it was good for the Wizards because, uh, much like we talked about yesterday with um, uh, LaMelo putting the Hornets kind of back on the basketball map, um, Jordan put the Wizards back on the basketball map. But you remember, they were... Stackhouse was on that team the first year, and yeah. they kind of butted heads. And you know, Jordan just wasn't the same guy. He was averaging twenty points per game, but and he wanted to get his shots up. He sure did. But it wasn't the same MJ that we remember. Right. Um, but that was uh, now that was an interesting time for the uh, for the Washington Wizards. Yeah, I'm certainly with you on that. I I didn't really have any interest in watching Mike fight Roy Jones, and I'm certainly not interested in watching him and Evander Holyfield get in the ring. I mean, good for Mike for having the. Fortitude to turn that down and maybe maybe see the future on how that might be received, you know, by the sports watching public. But I'm not interested. I what, don't think I would have. What would you want to watch in terms of like a like a over the hill veteran circuit type thing? You know, they have uh, they have tennis. They have that tennis tour where right. it's guys that are recently retired. You know, like Andy Roddick. You know, I'm right. sure it can still serve at 100 plus miles an hour. You know, plays on that thing. But Andy's uh, also like 40. Are we talking? Guys in their 60s playing no, baseball? No, but like just or... retired. Guys who are retired, right? Like guys who are retired. Would, would you want to see a legend softball league? That sounds pretty fun. Actually, that might be kind of cool. That actually sounds kind of cool. Yeah. But it depends. Are they playing it on the big diamond or is it the 60-foot bases? You got to make just, it challenging. You got to make it challenging. Yeah. Like maybe like a rock and jock situation, kind of like spice it up, make yeah, it fun. I like that. I don't know. I mean, the... The Tiger Phil golf matches, those are really fun. I think more of that stuff is cool. Golf is kind of the easiest no-brainer sport to do it because you can mic these guys up. You can get you know Steph Curry and Peyton Manning out there. Maybe let's get MJ out there. That'd be fun. Really up the stakes, have these guys gambling on the side. That's really fun and entertaining to watch. All the other sports, though, require too much athleticism. Well, that someone in their fifties probably doesn't have. Right. Well, I guess it's kind of like the big three. What they essentially what they've tried to do, right? It's you have these guys that come out. Was it was it AI when the big three first started? And there's some there's some good competitive games in the big three, but again, you're not seeing these guys like you remember them. Right. 
You know, I think Iverson came out, played a couple of games. Um, there was a guy that I went to high school with, Jerome Williams, the junkyard oh, yeah. dog. Do you remember JYD? JYD. Yeah. yeah, he played. He played with uh, Iverson at Georgetown, first round pick way back in the day. My man JYD. Uh, he played for a little while, but like those guys just aren't playing like like they used to. So I think it's the sports that take that supreme athleticism. Maybe that's not on the list, but golf's a good one. And I love yeah. seeing. Kind of, I don't want to say the average Joe's, but I love seeing the non-golfers like Tom Brady on the a, golf course. That was so fun, yeah, that was yeah, great. He was really struggling. It was like super relatable moment. Tom Brady shanking it into the right. trees and stuff, and then he holes out from 130 yards. Amazing! It was amazing. Like that stuff is really fun, and I think more of those in the future. Like that's really cool. Like I've always had. The, I had a friend who has. Uh, I'm not even going to talk about. It. it was a game show concept where you would have to. It, you would put people in other sports and have them compete against each other. I guess kind of like the superstars type competition way yeah. back in the day. Yeah. Uh, why, I, that was one that I loved watching. They tried to bring that back. I, they did. It was, I think right? it wasn't Greenberg and, and a couple of guys, yeah. a couple of ESPN guys. It never, it didn't, it didn't really fly for some reason. Didn't they do the diving? The diving one wasn't Kareem. Yes. And yeah. That and stuff? Uh, that. What, what was was the it pros versus Joe's was something Rose like that. Pros versus Joe's was sort of like Splash. that. Did you say Kareem was, was on the diving, diving platform? Kareem, yeah. the diving one. Splash, I believe was the name yeah. of the show. I, I only say that because I believe Carissa Thompson posted a picture of, yeah, of her like with, last week. Yeah. yeah, with Kareem recently. Doing that, that that now that yeah, piques my interest. Yeah, I don't. Why don't what I remember called? that? Splash, splash, splash. And it had a bunch of random celebrities doing like these high, like ten meter dives. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I don't remember that one. I'm kind of upset by that that I don't remember that. Were, were we ever able to pull up the odds for the? Uh, from the tournament here on out, the rest of the way. Yeah, NCAA tournament odds. Okay, so right. here we go. All right, you, you uh, go because you have different ones than I do. And I, I think have different ones than you do. This is an offshore gaming uh, situation. <laughs> Gonzaga's your favorite at plus 140, so that bets $100 to win $140. Baylor plus 350, so two massive favorites, and then it kind of really falls off. Michigan plus 850, Houston 9 to 1, Alabama 12 to 1. Loyola to Chicago, we talked to Porter Moser yesterday, 14 to 1. Florida State, 16 to 1. USC, we just talked to Andy Enfield, 20 to 1. You know, Loyola, Chicago, and, and USC, I think, are two teams that, if, if they can just keep it, if they could keep it rolling, I'm, they, I mean, they, they can get to the final four. I mean, four. Oregon looked really good. I know they play USC coming up 33 to 1 for Oregon. Your long shot, Oral Roberts. 500 to 1? Is that what you have? 66 to 1. Yeah, I got. I I don't know where these odds are coming from that I just pulled up on Twitter. <laughs> They're a little different than yours. You might be. You might have older ones. These are Sweet Sixteen updated. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That might be it. Interesting. Interesting. You say, wait, Bruins forty to one. LA has two teams in the Sweet Sixteen. That's crazy. I, I don't even. It, it's That's not crazy. fair. It's crazy. Well, it's been a while since UCLA has been back. Obviously, we know how long it's been since USC, but even UCLA, you think of as this, you know, obviously the greatest, you know, college hoops power of all time, but. Recently, it hasn't been so so good over there in Westwood. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm all in, man. I, I I can't wait to watch more hoops. It's exciting this weekend. Can't wait. All right, Bears beats the Office on Peacock. Enjoy every episode of The Office for free through March 24th. Whether you know every quote or you're new to the series, new to Scranton, you can find something to love. Sign up now, PeacockTV.com, and start streaming. That's PeacockTV.com to start streaming The Office right now. Dan Haley filling in on the Rich Eisen Show. We have Dana Altman, head coach for Oregon, coming up here 
you know, about 25, 30 minutes or so. Have you guys looked at, at Dana Altman's resume at Oregon? The guys had some success there. I mean, they've, they've made the Sweet 16 four or five times. He's made a Final Four. He's made a couple of Elite Eights. I mean, this is a, uh, this is a game coming up against, against USC that, that this, this is going to be one of the better games in the Sweet 16. There's no doubt in my mind. Yeah, I think you're right. Look what USC did last night to Kansas and the points that Oregon put up in knocking off Iowa. Oh, baby. It's going to be a high. F- at, at the, the right game. time. They scored 95 points in that game. They didn't score 95 points the entire season. <laughs> Oregon. Man, man. Yeah, that's, that's going uh, to be good. Looking forward to talking to uh, Dana Altman. Just a huge, huge tournament run for the Pac-12. Maybe we can throw those numbers back up again in terms of how they've done in the tournament. You heard Andy Enfield talk about the Pac-12 representing and you know, the East Coast bias, they don't get a lot of love across the country because their games start a little bit later. He said 9-1. and one. It's actually 10-1 and one because he didn't count the playing game for UCLA, which does go on the, uh, the official count, though. But, uh, you know, ACC, traditional basketball powerhouse, 4-5 and five, uh, in the conference. And then the Big Ten, they put nine teams in the tournament down to just one team left. I mean, it's really inexplicable. Like, this is why this is the greatest sporting event in the world. It's been so bad. It's weird. It's they, weird. They it's were the weird. best conference in college basketball, and they have one team left standing. And it was actually the team that, at least in my little pool, was the most popular early out, you know, among the number one seeds. By far, everybody thought Michigan would, uh, would get booted. And here they are back in the Sweet 16 for the fourth year in a row. Yeah, great job. Can't talk about the job that Jawan Howard's been doing. Like, just a phenomenal coaching performance by him this year and then the team to perform i mean they're obviously they're the second favorite to win the title right now yeah no it's it's uh it's been impressive he's done a nice job a lot of juan howard fans out there i know eisen is one guy probably not mark turgeon mark turgeon after that little uh you know spat he got into with coach turgeon when they're taking on maryland but maryland's out michigan's in you know altman in as well university of oregon head coach coming up on the rich eisen show after this